Moses actually sees the messenger in the blaze. He sees nothing other than this. When he sees the wondrous fire, he sees what he has to see. No matter how we explain the process as being natural, this at least is what the narrative tells us and wishes to tell us. And whatever this may be, it is clearly not mythology. The true name of a person, like that of any other object, is far more than a mere denotative designation for people who think in categories of magic. It is the essence of the person, distilled from their real, be their real being, so that they are present in it once again. What is more, they are present in it in such a form that anybody who knows the true name and knows how to pronounce it in the correct way can gain control over them. The person themselves is unapproachable. They offer resistance. But through the name, they become approachable. The speaker has power over them. The true name may be entirely different from the generally familiar one, it may also, however, differ from the latter only in the correct pronunciation, which would also include the correct rhythm and the correct attitude of the body while engaged in the act of pronouncing it. All things which can only be taught and transmitted personally. And since the true name phoneticizes the character of the object, the essential thing in the last resort is that the speaker shall recognize this essential being in the name and direct their full attention upon it. When that happens, and where that happens, where the magical work requires an aiming of the soul at the being, sorry, where that happens, where the magical work requires an aiming of the soul at the being meant, that is, when the person aimed at is a god or a demon, the fuel is provided into which the lightning of religious experience can fall. Then the magical compulsion becomes the intimacy of prayer, the bundle of utilizable forces bearing a personal name becomes a you, and a demagicization of existence takes place. As reply to his question about the name, Moses is told, Eyeh Asher Eyeh. This is usually understood to mean, I am that I am, in the sense that Yahweh describes himself as the being one, or even the everlasting one, the one unalterably persisting in their being. But that would be abstraction of a kind which does not usually come about in periods of increasing religious vitality. While in addition the verb in the biblical language does not carry this particular shade of meaning of pure existence. It simply means happening, coming into being, being there, being present, being thus and thus, but not being in the abstract sense. I am that I am could only be understood as an avoiding of the question, as a statement which withholds any information. Should we, however, really assume that in the view of the narrator, the God who came to inform his people of their liberation wishes, at that hour of all hours, merely to secure his distance and not to grant and warrant proximity as well? This concept is certainly discouraged by that twofold ayah, I shall be present, which precedes and follows the statement, 
with unmistakable intention and in which God promises to be present with those chosen by him, to remain present with them, to assist them, like a father. This promise is given unconditional validity in the first part of the statement, I shall be present, not merely as previously and subsequently with you, with your mouth, but absolutely, I shall be present. Placed, as the phrase is, between two utterances of so concrete a kind that clearly means I am and remain present. Behind it stands the implied reply to those influenced by the magical practices of Egypt, those infected by technical magic. It is superfluous for you to wish to invoke me, says this God, in, in accordance with my character. I, again and again, stand by those whom I befriend, and I would have you know indeed that I befriend you. And that's Martin Buber in his book on Moses from the chapter on the burning bush.